Welcome to the November 15th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 6, verses 41 through 59, and the sermon is entitled, Bread for the Starving, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're going to continue on in a sermon series through the Gospel of John. Get your Bible out. If you're streaming with us today, get your Bible out. Uh, Put it on your lap. Actually, the scripture today will be in two sections, so keep your Bible open. But we are walking through the Gospel of John. Of course, this is the eyewitness account of John, the old disciple of Jesus, the one who lived the longest, maybe even into his 90s. Uh, But he was the longest lived of the disciples. After he walked with Jesus in ministry, those three years, about 50 years passed. And John realized, John, through the leading of God, knew that he had to write down this account of the life, the biography of Jesus Christ. John himself says, I couldn't write down everything I saw. I couldn't write down everything I heard. If I did, the world couldn't contain the books. But he gave us the high watermarks of Jesus' life and ministry that we might understand him as Lord and Savior and God and King. And so today we continue on in our journey through the Gospel of John. Go with me to John chapter 6. That's where we are. Interestingly enough to me, In this gospel, John never names himself. He never says that I'm John who wrote the gospel. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. In fact, five times in this gospel, he refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Jesus loves me. And friends, the good news is, after more than 2,000 years passing, we can say the same thing. We are the disciples, and we are the believers whom Jesus loves. We are the disciples whom Jesus empowers to have ministry in this world. Yes, he empowered John to write this gospel, but he empowers us and impassions us that we too have ministry that is to go into the world, to lead the world to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Our gospel and our message is much the same as the old disciple John. Well, we began chapter 6 several sermons ago. And I want you to understand that this is a very, very involved, even complicated chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, As we look at the the chapter, we see it begins with the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus fed 5,000 men plus an unnumbered number of children and women with two fish and five loaves, miraculously feeding them that one day on one side of of the Sea of Galilee. And then that crowd gets so enthused after that miracle of the feeding that they want to lift him up to be an earthly king. They wanted to lift him up to fame and kingship and put him on the throne. And Jesus doesn't desire fame. Jesus doesn't desire that worldly lifting up. He wants to be lifted up as Lord and Savior and God and King. He wants to be lifted up on the throne of our heart, not on an earthly throne, but on the throne of our heart. And so he retreats from that crowd. They see him retreat to a mountain off by himself. But the disciples go another direction that day after the feeding of the 5,000. They go to a boat at the Sea of Galilee. And as night was falling, they were going to sail eight miles across the Sea of Galilee to the other side, to the city of Capernaum. But as you remember, that night, they ran into one of the worst storms they'd ever been through, perhaps the worst storm they'd ever been through on the sea. It was dark. They were scared out of their wits, and Jesus comes to them, walking on the water to their boat. 
And he says, be not afraid, because I'm with you. Friends, I can tell you this, that was certainly true 2,000 years ago. But when I was scared in my own boat, Jesus came to me. Jesus ministered to me. Jesus healed me. Jesus gave me what I needed the moment that I needed it. He is the same Savior today. He comes to us in our moment of need, just as he did to those disciples on the boat. Well, the next day now, we're shifting to another day. He fed the crowd of 5,000 on one side of the Sea of Galilee one day. The next day, he and his disciples are in Capernaum on the other side. And that crowd of 5,000 fed the day before follow Jesus there. Scripture teaches us that people seek for Jesus. It's still true today. The world is still seeking for the Savior. The world still needs him, just as they did then. So Jesus then on the other side in Capernaum is continuing to teach this crowd of 5,000. He fed them physical food the day before. Now he's feeding them eternal food, the food of eternal life, salvation, grace, blessing, forgiveness. And he makes two very important statements to them that I don't want you to miss. If you're writing your Bible, I want you to underline these statements because they are still true today, alive and well today. The first truth is this, John, uh, John chapter 6, verse 35. And this is what Scripture says as Jesus talks to this crowd of 5,000. John 6, 35. He says this, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Knowing Jesus Christ is the truest peace and the truest satisfaction in all of life. And it is the only satisfaction that is eternal. It's the only satisfaction that will never go away, will never disappear. Knowing Christ as Savior is eternal. Then the second truth that he gives to this crowd of 5,000 is John chapter 6, verse 40. And he says this, And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What a wonderful truth that is. No one, Jesus says in this verse, no one will be turned away who comes to him as Savior. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. It doesn't matter how much sin lies behind you. Jesus says, if you will come to me as Savior, I will raise you at the last day. You will have eternal life. No one will be turned away. So today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you come to him, he will not turn you away. What good news that is. That is from the teaching of Jesus Christ. So he's teaching these eternal truths uh, to the multitudes. The multitudes he fed the day before. Now he's feeding them on the bread of life. But listen, here's where there's a turning point, and this is where our scripture picks up, picks up today. There's another group listening to his words. They're in Capernaum that day. They, they see the crowds of 5,000, but they're a separate group. They're not in the crowd of 5,000, but rather they're off to themselves listening to Jesus. And this particular crowd stands there murmuring and whispering against him. 
And they're criticizing him, and they're hating him. As he's teaching the multitudes of the 5,000-plus people, this group is planning on his death. This group whispers their hatred to one another, and that's where our Scripture picks up today. This is a group of Jewish religious leaders, scribes and Pharisees and priests, and they're totally opposed to the ministry of Christ. So, while he has been talking to the crowd of 5,000, as we've read, now today we're changing gears. He's going to be talking to this group of religious leaders. His attention turns to them, and that's where we pick up John chapter 6, go to verse 41. We're going to read a few verses now, a few more verses later on in the sermon. The Jews, talking about the religious leaders of the temple, the Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. And this is a quote from Isaiah 43. It is written in the prophets. And they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Of course, that last verse is a reference to the cross. Jesus will give himself bodily to the cross that the world, through him, might have the opportunity for life. So, as we look at these few verses, Jesus is giving words of life to a spiritually hungry crowd of over 5,000 people. And the 5,000 who are there are absorbing the truth. And many of them are coming to Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. But over in the corner, there's a group of Jewish religious leaders. And they are criticizing Jesus among themselves. The scribes, the Pharisees, the priests who did not believe his word, who did not even want him on earth. And they're criticizing him. And they're saying under their breath to one another, this fake here is claiming to be the bread that comes down from heaven. Really now, where did he come up with that? How in the world could he claim himself to be the bread that came down from heaven? He's just the son of Joseph the carpenter from Nazareth. He's just from that little hick town of Nazareth close to us. 
and he grew up in a, a middle-class carpentry family. There's nothing really important about him enough for him to claim himself to be the bread that came down from heaven. He's just from an ordinary working-class family. Where would in the world would he ever get the thought that he would be bread from heaven? But Jesus stands there to say, I am that bread. I did come from heaven. John 6:41 said they murmur among themselves against Jesus. In Greek, murmuring simply means a low voice and you're speaking to your neighbor almost in a whisper so that only your neighbor can hear what you're saying, but this group of scribes and Pharisees and priests are murmuring their hatred against Jesus in their own little crowd right there. But John 6:43 says Jesus knows exactly what they're doing, and Jesus knows exactly what they're saying. Even though he physically with his ears perhaps had not heard their words, in his heart of God, he knew what they were saying. He knew their heart, and he knew their words of hatred. In fact, I'm reminded of one of my favorite verses of the Bible, which is Psalm 139, verse 4, that says, There's not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it. Altogether. True for these men who were speaking against Jesus, true for us. Not a word comes to our tongue that God doesn't know what we're going to say. So Jesus tells these religious teachers, You can quit whispering among yourselves about me because I know exactly what you think. I know exactly where your heart is, and I know how lost you are. Now look at John 6 44. Remember, he's speaking to these religious leaders against him now. And he says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus says, You leaders of the Jewish faith are standing here, and you're tearing me down, and you're hating me, and you're criticizing me. You're even planning my death. But if you would just be quiet, and if you would just listen to the Word of God that I'm teaching you, if you would just hear what I'm saying about being the bread of life coming for you, he said the Father would draw you to me. The Father God would woo you and bring you to me. And your hearts could be opened, and your ears could be opened, and your eyes could be opened, that indeed you're speaking to the Savior himself if you would just be quiet long enough to hear, the Father would draw you in to me. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is reaching out even to the men who literally want to plan his death? His greatest enemies on earth. And Jesus is reaching to them in love, in grace, in forgiveness willing to offer eternal life even to his enemy. That's the heart and that's the love of God. Almost impossible for us to comprehend. And yet that's the way the Lord loves the world. He would receive anyone who will come to him. Now look at verse 47, John 6. Verily, verily, remember those are key words, which means you better pay attention. This is very important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, hath eternal life. 
Jesus is offering forgiveness even to these who hated him. In John 6, 48, it's a short little verse, but you need to underline it. This verse is a huge statement to these scholars of the Bible. Remember, these are doctors of the Bible, the Old Testament as we know it. They know what every page says. They know the placement of the words on the page. They know everything about their study of the Old Testament Scripture. And Jesus says something to them that immediately should strike a chord with them. So in 648, he says, I am that bread of life. Six words, I am that bread of life. And when these Jewish religious teachers and scholars hear those first words, I am, immediately their minds go back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where Moses meets God at the burning bush. Remember? Remember the call that God gives to Moses to be a leader. And Moses says, if you send me out that I am to lead your people, they're going to want to know your name, O God. What is your name? And God says to Moses, my name is, I am that I am. If you put it in English terms, it's J-H-W-H, Yahweh. It's called the Tetragrammaton. I am that I am. And many places in the Bible, God's name is shortened to simply, I am. That's his name. So when these Jewish teachers hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life, they first of all hear God's name. When Jesus says, I am, he's identifying himself as the almighty God. They're looking him face to face. But then he says, the bread of life, I am the bread of life. And those Jewish teachers, think about the manna that saved the Israelites back in the wilderness in Exodus once again. Six little words, I am that bread of life, and they say one thing to these religious leaders, we're looking God in the face. The great I am, the one who sent manna to Israel in the desert, we're seeing God face to face. If they would just be quiet and listen and think, the Father God could draw them into salvation. Well, let's move ahead. Look, let's look at John 6, 51 through uh, 59. Now, I will tell you this. This is a tad complicated. So hang with me here. Go to verse 51. Hear these words. Jesus continues teaching these religious leaders, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me 
even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So in this, these few verses, now hang with me here, hang on with me. In these few verses, Jesus is comparing the manna that fell in the wilderness many centuries before when the Israelites were wandering there. Remember, they had been released from slavery in Egypt. They're going toward the promised land. They become faithless. God allows them to wander in the desert wilderness for a long, long time as they go toward the promised land, the exodus in the desert. Back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 16, we see God's people there in the desert. Interestingly, we see that word murmur again. We see it here in John 6. We see it also back in the Exodus. All of the Israelites begin murmuring against Moses, saying, Moses dragged us out here in the desert, and we're going to die of hunger here. Rather than allow us to stay in slavery in Egypt where we ate well and we had all the vegetables we wanted, all that we needed, he drags us out here where we're going to die. And they murmur against Moses, God's chosen leader. And yet every day, God sends down a bread from heaven, a literal bread from heaven called manna, which by the way in Hebrew means what is this stuff? They never really knew the name of what it was. But this manna fell every day, and they collected it, and they lived on it 40 years in the desert. And as they lived on that manna day by day, God was faithful to provide it so that no one ever got hungry. But remember this, and this is an important point that Jesus makes. Jesus said, the manna back in the Exodus kept the Israelites alive for 40 years, but it still kept them alive only temporarily. It was still physical food. And the Israelites, one by one, still died off of physical ailment and disease and all of those things because that manna that fell from heaven could only keep them alive temporarily. But eating the flesh of Jesus, he says, is the, is the bread of heaven that gives us eternal life. The bread of earth can't give you eternal life. Even the manna that fell from God out of heaven couldn't give eternal life. But Jesus says, eat the bread that I offer you, and you will have eternal life with me. So Jesus compares himself to manna back in the Exodus. And when these Jewish leaders hear it, they think he's talking about something kin to cannibalism. Look again at verses 53, 54. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Now, if you flash back up to verse 52, it says, The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So they start thinking about literally eating his flesh and literally drinking his blood. That's not what Jesus is saying here. The truth of God is this, and this is what Jesus is saying. If you simply live your life eating physical bread, if you simply live your life living physically on the earth, the day is going to come when you're going to die. 
And the day you die, you will be separated from the love of God for the rest of eternity. But, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And if you will eat of the bread of life, if you will partake of me, if you will come to me, if you will live in me, I will give you eternity. And you will live with me for all eternity. I will raise you up at the last day. We're going to be together for eternity in heaven. Now, one of the things he's not talking about here is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper has not been established yet, so he's not talking about the Lord's Supper. He's talking about coming to Jesus Christ and partaking of him as our bread of salvation and our bread of eternity because physical bread can't give you that. Only Jesus can give you that. Now, I know this is a somewhat complicated and tough lesson, but let's take this scripture and apply it to us. As I said to the early group today, any Bible study that we ever do, be it a Bible study in a Sunday school class, uh, an independent study, or a sermon, if you don't take the time to apply it to where we are, then it's not a complete Bible study. It has to impinge on our life, make a difference in our life. So what does this scripture mean to us? Here it is. Every single person on earth, every single person on every continent on earth does indeed have to live by physical bread. All of us do. All of us have to live in the physical world. We will look forward to lunch when we get home today, living on physical bread. We'll think about our bills this week, our income this week, what we need to do on earth this week. And in fact, so many people on earth, and I may generalize to say I believe it's the greatest portion of people on earth, live in this realm. They live in the realm of physical bread. They live in the realm of how big a house I need to build. How how new can my car be? How much fame can I mount up in this world? So much of the world lives only on that level of the physical realm. And they're lost in a sea of stuff. They're lost on earth. Earth has consumed them. That's all they live in. They've given no thought to heaven. They've given no thought to hell. They've given no thought to eternity. They're given no thought to where will I be after I die for the rest of eternity. Where will I be? So many people have never considered the question because they're living on physical bread. Does that make sense? Living on physical bread and nothing else. Living on earth and nothing else. But church, listen, all people need to be introduced to the bread of life. Amen. All people on earth need to be introduced to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We don't have a club here. We have a ministry team here. Our club doesn't meet and get in our little huddle and we hear a sermon and then we're the same the rest of the week till we get back to our huddle once again. But rather, we are a ministry team that hears a word from God that says the world is starving for Jesus Christ. And we have the bread to take to the world that is starving for a Savior. We have a tremendous mission. We have a tremendous calling. We have a reason to go into the world today and through this week. And that's to take the Savior there so that the starving can have the bread of life. You know, the church is so important. 
And I believe every believer should be a part of the living body of Jesus Christ. I think as Jesus established the church, that really wasn't an option. Am I to be a church member or not? But rather, if we're a believer in the Lord Jesus, we are brothers and sisters. We're family. We're the bride of Christ. And we belong together. We need the strength that we have together. We need to be at each other's backs. We need to support one another when we go into the world to take the living bread of life. The church is so important. And I'm so grateful in this weird season of time in 2020 that we're church in different areas and different places right now, here in person and streaming, however you choose to come to church. But the church is so important. You know why it's important? Because this is a foreshadowing of what heaven is going to be. We are together now, and we're going to be together for all eternity. So my prayer is that you find joy in being in this place and being together because it's the foreshadowing of what we're going to share in all eternity because of the living bread in our life. But church, we have a tremendous mission standing before us. We're to take Jesus in the world this week because you and I are going to walk across the paths of many people who are starving to death, who do not have the bread of life. They're living on an earthly level. They might have everything money can buy, but they don't have eternal life. They don't have a Savior. They don't know the good news of a Savior who went to a cross and rose from a grave and came to us as the bread of life. And they need to know. And they will come to know through us walking as representatives of Jesus in this world. Take that ministry seriously, brothers and sisters. Someone this week is going to cross your path who needs the bread of life. And my prayer is that you and I will be responsive to represent Jesus there. We have the, the bread that they need. I pray that we will rededicate our lives to sharing the bread with those who are starving. That's what Jesus was doing with this religious group and we too are called to take him into the world. I pray that you and I will go with a new commitment to take Jesus, the bread of life, out there where people are starving to death. And today, if you're here and you've never come to Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's a hunger in you. There's a hunger down deep in you. You might have everything that money can buy. You might live in a brand new house, have a brand new shiny car, but something's missing I know that because the Bible tells me that something down deep, is there's a hunger that's not been satisfied. Let me tell you what you need. You need the Savior. You need Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And he's willing to satisfy your need and your hunger this very moment. Maybe today you're streaming and something just touched a nerve. I need the bread of life. I, know, I need what Jesus can give to me. I can't get it anywhere else. I'll never be fully satisfied anywhere else. It is only by Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. Today, if you need him, wherever you are, if you're in this sanctuary, come to this altar. Take that living bread here right now. If you're streaming with us, even in a car in a parking lot, say yes to Jesus today. Take that living bread Take that bread that can satisfy you only in the way that Jesus can 
by filling that spot of eternal life in your heart. He's waiting on that decision. Church, he's waiting on us to represent him this week out there in the world. Church home, whatever you need, the Lord meets us in this place with a great, great invitation. And for we believers, a great, great commission. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments before you, Lord. Thank you for giving me the privilege of standing in this pulpit once again. Thank you for my brothers, Clyde and Jeffrey and Tom, who took over and filled the spots so well, Lord. But thank you for letting me rejoin the team. Thank you for letting me rejoin the team of Clifford Baptist Church. Gwen and I have been through so much of isolation and quarantine. The day she brought me home from the hospital, she went into a quarantine and is just now free and out. Both of us are free people today, and we're so thankful. But Lord, thank you for the greatest freedom of all, the freedom of knowing Jesus as the living bread of life. Thank you for knowing him as our Savior. Thank you for the promise of life everlasting. Thank you for the promise of a mission that you've given to the church to take the bread to the starving. Help us, Lord, not forget that this week, taking bread to the starving. If there's one today who's hungry, one who's never received you, Jesus is waiting to come into that heart just by a simple, Lord, I want to believe on you. I want to put my sin at the foot of your cross where you paid the price. I want to put my faith at the mouth of the empty tomb that you rose from the dead that I might never die again. For that one who needs you, Lord, I pray that the Father will draw him or her in today. Bless us in this moment, Lord. Thank you for everyone who has heard the truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.